the Children's Church. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I would love to have you turn to Second Kings chapter 4, Second Kings chapter 4. And as you turn there, just a few things I want to give a word of encouragement for. Uh, those of you probably don't recognize uh, it, the way our sanctuary looks, na- looks now, but we had vacation Bible school this past week. And I want to give a special thank you for all, all you volunteers. Uh, we had over, uh, I think the total number was 60 volunteers right around there. 70, about seven, over 70 volunteers uh, giving other time. Some gave up time from work just to, just to be here. Uh, we had one of the best vacation Bible schools we've had since I've been here. Had the most kids. I think our high was 130. Um, is that accurate? What? 124. I'm close. Right? Uh, which is about 30 more kids than we had the year before. So praise God for his faithfulness there. And a special thank you to Bobby and Jenny for all their hard work and my wife to kind of put the Vacation Bible School together. It doesn't, just doesn't happen uh, overnight. It takes months of planning and preparation. So uh, we, are, we are blessed beyond measure uh, with having Jenny and Bobby uh, in our midst. Um, also, I just want to, to have you continue to be praying for um, uh, Patsy Quinton. Uh, many of you know she's a longtime mem- member. Uh, she has uh, lung cancer, and the tumor has kind of uh, overtaken the body at this point, and it looks like time is short. Uh, so be, please be praying for her, her, uh, her daughters, uh, and that God would just be merciful and call her home. Uh, we also just want to be praying for our, our missionaries uh, who are overseas. Uh, the Dosters are in, are in Mexico. Uh, we also have several else uh, throughout the world that I'll be praying for in our pastoral prayer, but we want to continue to be praying uh, for all those who, who go from our place uh, to do the work of the Lord. Well, as we prepare to hear God's word being preached and readying our hearts to respond, please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear God's word, Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what I have, what have you in your house, in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go and shut the door behind yourselves and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons, and she poured And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on the rest. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have come to you and praised In confession, we have come reminding our hearts of forgiveness. We have given our resources to you, and yet, God, you and your kindness say bring all our requests before you because you care for us. Uh, So, Lord, we do so now. Uh, Father, we we lift up those who are hurting among us. Uh, Most uh, uh, recently, God, we pray for Miss Patsy Quinton, Lord, and as she is just nearing uh, death, Lord, we pray that you would be merciful to her and that you would call her home, God. We thank you for her long life of faithfulness to you. God, we pray that you would be with her, her daughters and her family as they um, uh, go through this trial. Father, we also pray that you be with Olin Louise as, as the day is getting closer for Olin. Father, as the cancer is continuing to take its course, God, we pray that you would give them strength and faith, God, that their hope would truly be set on the King of glory. 
Father, we also thank you for uh, for John Talkington and, and, and get, getting a good report after his treatment. We pray, God, that you would continue to uh, to keep him healthy. Uh, Father, we, we thank you so much for uh, making our congregation a, a congregation that cares about the lost and cares about ministry. Father, we lift all those up who are doing ministry. Father, we lift up uh, John Whitaker as he's preaching at Faith Baptist Church this morning. We pray that you would sharpen his words as he uh, extols the word of grace. Father, we pray that you would be with all our our uh, our students, uh, leaders who are serving at Roar this summer. Father, every week they have the opportunity to present the gospel uh, to kids and love on them. God, I pray in your kindness, God, that you would just strengthen them for the task you've given them, Father, and help sharpen their words that would lead people to you. Father, we pray for all our, our members who are serving at Camp Canaan, God. We thank you so much for their ministry there, how they are holding strong to your word. Father, we pray that you would use them mightily, Father, as they introduce uh, children to your world and nature, God. I pray that you would help them find uh, life in the sun. God, we also just thank you, those who are not with us this summer, who are serving elsewhere. We pray for Annabeth Harris in, in Atlanta, God. We pray that you would bless her ministry as she uh, ministers to, to refugees. Uh, Father, we pray that you'd be with um, a Terrell as he is serving in northern Africa, God. We pray that you would just uh, strengthen him as he is nearing the, his, um, the final days of his, his time there. Father, we pray that you would uh, be with uh, Keith and Sharon as they are in Lyon, Mexico, Father, uh, serving among the deaf. We pray that as Keith uh, teaches your, your truth, God, I pray that you would sharpen his words and anoint him by the power of your spirit. Father, those who are beginning to, getting ready to go for, for Sarah and for Jennifer, God, we pray that you would just strengthen them, that you would prepare their hearts and prepare the people that they are going to serve. God, it is such a great privilege to pastor a church that loves the nations. God, I pray that you would do this in our midst more and more. Uh, Father, we do pray for our nation. We pray specifically for our Supreme Court. God, we pray that you would do your will there. Uh, Father, we pray that our nation would be a law, a, a nation that uh, cares about uh, laws and justice and mercy. So, God, we pray that everyone who sits on the court, God, would be um, full of uh, humility and wisdom, God. They would understand that as they judge others, they themselves will be judged by you. Father, we also just thank you so much for uh, the gospel going forth uh, in our community. We do pray for our uh, our sister church, uh, Remedy, and Pastor Fudd this morning as we just had a great week of VBS together. We pray, God, that they'd be uh, experience uh, growth in, in number and growth in uh, holiness and righteousness, Father. Use Fudd as he ministers to that congregation this morning. Father, now as we come to hear your word, we pray that you would, would speak uh, through me, God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. God, I pray that the name of Christ would be exalted. And as Christ is exalted, you would draw all men and women uh, to yourself. God, we, we know that we have much to, to learn from your word. We have much to learn from uh, this passage this morning. So, God, I pray that you would open our eyes uh, to where we are failing you, that you would show us your truth. And, God, you would remind us, because of your great kindness to us in Christ, our debt is paid. So, Lord, I pray that you would remind us afresh of the gospel and motivate us for holy living uh, and for holy service in your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, my wife and I have almost been married for uh, 14 years, uh, July 31st. I remember that way back when. Uh, you, know, you know when it's coming time for anniversaries, what you do is you take your wife to a nice place. Well, before we had children living in Washington, D.C., I used to take my wife out to nicer places uh, a good bit more. 
Uh, one time we were at Georgetown University, Georgetown area, right by Georgetown University, and I took her to this little uh, place uh, for a buffet after a uh, Sunday uh, service. Uh, and the service was horrible. <laughs> the food was cold. It was just not a very good place. And, you know, when you're uh, a young man and don't have a whole lot of resources, when you go out, you kind of want to have high quality. So you just kind of, may I speak to the manager? And the manager, after my um, kind rebuke, gave us a free meal, right? It was a wonderful time. But, you know, I, th that happened, you know, almost 13 years ago. And I hardly ever remember that story. I hardly ever share it because I gained maybe about $35 of free food. But very close to that same time, I took my wife to another restaurant called 1789. Uh, 1789 was one of the best restaurants in Washington, D.C. It's one of those restaurants that everything's a la carte, and they say when you come, a jacket is required. All right, So you kind of know what you're going to be getting into uh, for this, this meal. I knew it was probably going to be over $200, maybe $300, but hey, it's the anniversary time, so sometimes you got to go all in. You feel me, gentlemen? Um, ladies, you're welcome. So we're at the restaurant, and we're finishing our main course, and right when we're uh, about to order dessert, though the waitress is on her way, I see a little cockroach come across the wall. And I just kind of said to the waitress, excuse me, ma'am, we have a little friend joining us today. And... Um, she said, oh, I'm so sorry. And now, mind you, I'm 20, 22, 23, and, you know, I, I don't really care if there's a cockroach on the wall. But this is a very nice place with jacket required. So very quickly, the manager came over and said, sir, uh, your, your meal is on us. Now, I've told that story a few times, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, my wife has urged me to have cockroaches in my, 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 my pocket when we go to most places and just got to let them out. Um, well, there's a reason why I remember the second one more than, than the first. Well, it's because the amount of free food, the amount of debt that was, that was covered. Uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that uh, we don't know how to respond to the statement, your bill has been paid, until we know how big the bill is. And I think when we think about this story this morning and uh, this widow, she understands how big this bill is. Uh, if you have an outline uh, provided for you in the bulletin, just three questions I want to ask you this morning to help us understand this text. Uh, the first is, how is your debt? How is your debt? We begin in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophet cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that you that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Uh, those of you who have been kind of tracking with us in recent weeks, we've seen uh, uh, the, the mantle of leadership among the prophets pass from Elijah to Elisha. Uh, there was three different uh, towns that had uh, a group of sons of the prophets who kind of heard from the Lord and, and gave it to uh, God's people. And one of these uh, servants has died. And notice what the, the wife of this servant says. You know that your servant feared the Lord. Uh, now, now remember the, the context in which these sons of the prophets are ministering. Uh, they're ministering under a kind of a polluted religious age. Uh, the king does not uh, honor the prophets of Yahweh. 
Uh, they have this kind of duality. And really the, the prophets of Baal were almost uh, given more credence in this time of, of Israel's history. So if you're going to be a prophet called by God, you were probably not going to make a, a, a good living. Right? I mean, it was the job of the nation of Israel to provide for them, but when they're, when they're in that kind of a religious context, they are not going to be honored. They're not going to be uh, um, encouraged financially. So when he, when he passes away, uh, the creditors come calling. It says, the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. This is very common in the ancient world. If you died and you had debt, uh, your family was responsible to pay that debt. And often that debt was passed on to one's children. You know, I have several pastor friends in the area who are older, uh, and they tell me that they pastored during the golden age of the church. In the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when, when churches were always full of people. Why? Because the, the nation was a nation that wanted to live for the Lord, so the churches were full. And now it's hard to convince people to, to, to come to Christ, let alone come to his church. Uh, but imagine a, a pastor in our day who faithfully serves his congregation, loves them, preaches the word for 30 or 40 years, and then at the end of his life, he, he passes away. And, and he doesn't leave much for his family, not because he wasn't... Uh, Faithful, not because he wasn't living a righteous life, not because he didn't handle his money well, it's because he never had a lot. Because he never had a lot, therefore he could not leave his family with a lot. That was probably the son of prophet. This, this, this man here probably lived his life faithfully to the Lord, loved his, his wife, loved his two sons, and yet was not able to give much to his family when he, he died. You know, there are a lot of reasons why people get into debt. Could be health issues. One surgery can kind of wipe out a family's savings. Could be a loss of a job. Could be a huge house repair. Could be mismanagement of funds or overspending. Uh, there are a lot of different reasons. But I know this, as a pastor, it is very hard to talk about money. It's very hard to talk about money in a marriage between a husband and a wife, uh, let alone between two friends. Uh, let alone between a pastor speaking to his people. When we think about money, there's always these other, this baggage that we, that come with it. This man probably lived, lived a faithful life and yet he still ended up poor. Many of you live faithful lives and don't have what you wish that you had at this point of your life. And there's some of you who may not be handling your resources well, may not be good stewards of what God has given you, whether that's because of a lack of, of budgeting, uh, or a lack of attention to your to your resources, and yet we live in in a, in a day of abundance. You know, America has a, a abundant wealth. You know the, the the lie of the American dream that you will have a happier life if you have a a nicer house and a nicer car and more comfort. That's really what we're kind of almost training the the generation coming up behind us to to seek after, to seek after the things of this of this world. You know, but the debt and poverty and creditors is nothing new. It happened often in the, in the old ancient world, as we see here in this text. Jesus talked often about debts and, uh, and credit in his ministry. Why? Because it was a very real thing. You know, today we're kind of in a constant threat where people try to almost get you in credit card trouble. Uh, I remember my first day on uh, University of Pennsylvania's campus, uh, there was a, a, a table that said, free t-shirts. 
You better, I'll take that free t-shirt. All we need is your information. Well, what is this? Well, it's for a credit card, but don't worry about it. Just get a free t-shirt. Sure. And then I have a credit card, you know. And let's just, you know, if I'm going to be honest with you, I did not uh, use that credit card well as a young man, right? And I had to, to recover when I graduated college. Even if you just think about what college is in itself, you know, it's pretty much the, what people think. You will, if I, I graduate high school and I go to college, uh, but the average student loan debt for the class of 2017 was almost 40000 6% up from the previous year. You've probably heard the scary statistic. Americans owe $1.48 trillion in student loan debt, spread out among 44 million borrowers. That's about $620 billion more than U.S. credit card debt. And U.S. credit card debt is $830 billion. So we, we, if, we, if I don't, as your pastor, talk about money and have you think about the resources that we have and the life decisions that, 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 we're, that, we're, that you're going to make, you know, parents that you're going to educate your children for, for, you may end up in bondage to the lender. You may end up like this man, right, and his family who is threatening to have his two sons taken into slavery. Now, if you're in that situation and you don't know how to get out, can I just encourage you to seek help? Uh, there are people in our congregation that are gifted when it comes to managing money and, and finances. If you need help, come see me. Let me connect you to the right person so you can help get back on the right track. There's wonderful resources. Uh, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, Crown Financial Ministries. There's wonderful resources that you can help to um, pursue um, faithful stewardship. Because, beloved, if we are faithful in our resources, we're going to have a greater impact on the kingdom of God. We need to think hard about it. So, number one is, is how is your debt? And I, would, I pray that you would ask that question to yourself and, and look at your own resources. Uh, the second question I ask you from this task is, where, how is your heart? How is your heart? And I love what Elisha does here. Uh, this woman, this widow... Uh, comes to him and says, your, your servant is dead. He feared the Lord, you know that. But the creditors are still coming to, to call uh, and ask for my two sons to pay his debt. You can imagine a mother who just lost her husband is now threatening to lose her two sons. Now, those of you who know in the ancient world, a, a woman was not really uh, able to provide for herself in terms of income. So she, de she depended upon her, her husband and then her children. So if her husband is now gone, now she's depending on everything to live and survive on her sons. And now her sons are being threatened to take away. Remember that opening illustration. I'm realizing how great that debt is. This is a tremendous ask that, that this woman comes to Elisha. And what does Elisha, the prophet of God, say? Verse 2. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? I just love that simple question of Elijah. What shall I do for you? you know, the first question was not an excuse or a way to get out of helping, but it was an actual, how can I help? This was not just a random person. This was a widow of one of the sons of the prophets. This was someone that he was called to, that he was responsible to help. Beloved, we want to have God's heart. When one of our own, 
when one of in, in our community is in need, our first question should not be, uh, let me pray for you, or uh, have you managed your resources well? Our first question is, how can I help? What, what can I do? And if, if you look through the New Testament, several key passages, the Bible actually says how you handle your resources among those who are in need, among the family of faith, is a sign whether you are a Christian or not. And if you are not willing to give of your resources, those who are in need in your own family, the family of faith, you may not be a Christian. You may just be one who talks the game, but not truly walks it. Let me just kind of share several scriptures with you. You can write these down. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You see what John is doing there? John is connecting the Lord Jesus Christ, his life and death, laying down his life, to your willingness to lay down your resources for those who are in need. It says, but, but, but notice it's not just speaking of, of those who are poor. Because there's the poor, and then there's the poor among us. Those are two different things. And I think sometimes what you, what you get from the, the worldly um, community is this guilt-driven uh, compassion. That you have to help everybody. And beloved, you don't. You don't have to help everybody. You will be marked, whether you are a Christian or not, is how you help who? Your brothers and your sisters in Christ. Or your brothers or your sisters or your children or your mothers or your grandparents in your own immediate family. This is, this is very a common theme. Go to uh, James chapter 2. I'll read it again. James chapter 2, uh, verse 14. It says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So the Bible thing here is if, can, if you say you have faith but no works, can that faith save you? Is it saving faith? Now listen to this. The very next sentence, which we often forget, how does James define or Picture a saving faith, a faith that will lead you to eternal life, a faith that says that you have been bought with the blood of Jesus, a faith that says that one day you will receive the inheritance that is undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. How does God, in His Word, define whether you have saving faith? He says, if a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things they need for the body? What good is that? So also by faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Do you see how he defines that? If you say that you love God, you have to love his people. And not just with words, but with your resources. Why? Because when you give of your resource, it costs you something. And, and the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus is a faith that costs us something. 
Now, we get it freely, but yet it costs us our life. He who desires to save his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will, will find it. Even the, the great passage in the end of, of Matthew's Gospel, uh, when Jesus says that at, the, at the great judgment, there's going to be a king who comes and, and, and they're going to say, well, because you cared for the least of these, right? Those, well, when, 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 Lord, when did we care for those who were in prison? When did we care for those who were, who were naked? When did we help the poor? And Jesus says, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The, the picture of the Christian life is one who has the heart of Elijah that says, what shall I do? What shall I do for you? Even the, the, the passage that, that Connor read for us, First Timothy chapter 5. When I first became a pastor, one of the first things I did is I memorized the pastoral epistles. Uh, first and Second Timothy and Titus. Why? Well, it was because if I, I want to be a pastor. I might as well know what the pastoral epistles say. And and and, and First Timothy chapter five has a verse that I probably skipped over numerous times. It's become one of my my dearest verses. Why? It's because I have seen our church live that out again and again and again. When when a, a child cares for an aging parent, when a, when a wife cares for a a, a dying husband. I see again and again something that pleases the Lord. You know, as a, as a pastor, I am extremely proud of our church. You know, the, the, the question is, is what kind of a heart will our community have? Will our community here only have a heart for sound doctrine and loving of, of truth? Or are we going to have a heart for each other? Are we going to love each other, even with our resources? Just this week alone, three different people have given their resources for the sake of somebody else who is in need. Within our community. That was just this past week. I had the great privilege, time after time after time, to hear how you are generous with one another. And can I just say, I am so grateful that God has given you a heart for each other and for those who are in need. As Paul said to the Thessalonians, who, who you've been taught to love, uh, to love one another by God, do this more and more. Can I encourage you to do this more and more? Let us as a community known to be, to be a church who, who loves truth, who preaches strong the, the gospel of grace, who says that unless you know Christ as your Savior, you will perish. But if you have Christ as your Savior, you have everything. Let us be a church that, that bleeds sound doctrine and, and loves the Word of God. But, oh, beloved, let us be a church that gives its resources to one another. Let us just give our resources to one another and show that our faith is true. Can, can that faith say something the Word says? I pray to God that we would have a, a saving faith. This next question really is the heart of the, of the account in 2 Kings 4, is how is your faith? How is your, your faith? Now we pick it up in verse 3. Elisha, after he says, uh, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. When one is full, 
set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And she said to her, there is not another. And the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on the rest. You know, I love this is because Elisha gave the woman a very, very specific task to do. Uh, she, she didn't just meet her need with all, all the money. No, he says, listen, you need to have faith in obedience. Uh, sometimes when we are trying to help people, we do too much for them. Sometimes the best way you can help someone is that not going all the way, but you go halfway, right? Because that's the picture of the scriptures. Even in the Old Testament, when people wanted food, the, 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 the farmers were called to, to leave the edges of the field uh, uh, not, to, uh, unharvested. Why? So the poor could go and get what they needed to eat. But guess what? If they didn't go get what they needed to eat, they wouldn't eat. And I think too often we try to go all the way and not hold people who are poor accountable for their own choices. And that's what Elisha does here. He says, listen, you need help, but here's what you must do first. You and your sons go borrow all these vessels, these jars to fill with with oil. And notice that her sons were involved in this too. And the community. The community had to give their empty vessels to this this woman. And everyone seemed to agree with this this plan. And they came into the house and the door door was shut behind. It's kind of that, that picture is that no one got in, no one got out, that, that something miraculous had to happen. Uh, oil was looked at as life. If you look at that, that picture of the of the ten ten vir, uh, virgins in, in, in Matthew's gospel who, who some had oil and they survived and some did not have oil. They weren't prepared, so they did not survive. Well here this this oil is a picture of life. If she had oil she would live. And that's exactly what happened. Each vessel was filled in turn. And then she said, there is not another. The oil stopped flowing. And Elisha, the man of God, says, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Do you just see the picture of the gospel here? They had a debt that they could not pay. This woman, unless... God intervened, she was going to lose her two sons to slavery, to bondage. And she would be alone, and she may have lost her own life. The, the, the debt that she owed was great. The creditors came calling, and yet what do you see? You see God miraculously meeting her need, paying her debt in full. So I guess I have two questions of, of application to you. First, have your debts been paid? You know, I don't know where you are this morning, where you are with the Lord. Maybe you came in here and you're curious about Christianity, not really sure exactly where you stand. But the Bible says is that everybody has debts. Uh, everyone owes something to the Lord because none of us are perfect. We are quick to say that we are not perfect, and yet we're, we also forget that, that not being perfect costs something. It really costs us our life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We deserve death because of our debts. And yet, in God's kindness, while we were debtors, God sent Christ to pay our debt on the cross in full. That's why that, that, that song, man, we, this past uh, spring, I think we sang it once a week. Jesus paid it all. 
Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid all our debt. That was the, the verse I read in, in Colossians earlier. Colossians chapter chapter 2. Uh, God's word says, says this. It says, again, And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. And God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Friend, if you have not had your debts paid, run to Christ. Christ offers you his life. He offers to pay all your debts. And some of you have not come to Christ because you don't think the check that you owe is that big. Guys, listen, you can't pay it yourself. You're like this woman has this grand debt. Unless God miraculously intervenes, you are done for. But God offers you payment. He offers you payment with his, with his son. Have you experienced that payment yourself? So the first question we have to ask is, have we experienced that payment? And many of you here are believers who've walked with Christ for a while. Well, the, the, the second question I would ask you is, are you living in light of your debts being paid? Are you truly living in light that all your debts are paid? Meaning, are you, are you gracious and generous in forgiving others their debts against you? You know, the people of God understand that our debt has been forgiven. Our debt has been paid for by Christ because the wrath that stood against us was placed on Christ and his righteousness was passed on to us. So everyone who puts their faith in Christ, Jesus takes their sin in full and gives you his righteousness in full. And we become uh, viewed by the eyes of God through the blood of Christ as righteous, holy, and blameless. It is a beautiful and powerful thing. And because of that, we are now empowered to live a new life. We are empowered to, to live a life extending grace and mercy to those who wrong us, to those who hurt us. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew uh, chapter 18. I want us to read this together because this is how uh, the Lord Jesus applies this uh, uh, level of forgiveness of debts uh, to our Christian life. He does it in several places. Another place to look at, if you want to look at another scripture this afternoon, is Luke chapter 7. It's a wonderful passage about forgiveness. Uh, but here, uh, verse 21, chapter 18, verse 21 of Matthew. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say you seven times, but seventy-seven times. So just understand the context of what the, the parable that Jesus is about to say. Has anyone here been wronged? Has anyone here been sinned against? And that's the question that Peter has. We don't know how and in which one, which way Peter was sinned against. But in this passage, Peter's saying, listen, how many times do I have to forgive someone when they wrong me? That's the question. And all of us have been wronged. And there are people here right now who are harboring bitterness towards someone in your life. I've been a pastor long, long enough to know that there is always one in, in our midst that is harboring that bitterness towards being hurt by someone else. And this is what the Lord Jesus says. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, a huge debt. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children 
and all they had and payment be made. It sounds very familiar what was going to happen to this woman, the son, uh, this woman of the, of the prophet who passed away in 2 Kings 4, verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. But his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When the fellow servants saw what had taken place, servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and you should not have and, sh and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart it's an application of this principle of forgiving of one's one's debt after we apply the gospel to ourselves and realize that Christ has paid for our sin and paid for our debt, now it's, it's the hard part of living as if that is true in our life every single day. So husbands and wives, when your spouse wrongs you, you have the opportunity to live out this passage by extending mercy to your spouse. Why? Because God has been merciful to you. A church member who has been slighted or been wronged or been maligned by a fellow uh, church member, you have the opportunity to live out this passage by extending mercy to that person who has wronged you. Friends, we want to live our life in light of this great gospel truth, that our sin, although it is great, has been paid. And because it has been paid, we now live our lives freely, giving our, our forgiveness and giving our resources to others to show the, the grace and the mercy and the compassion of our great God. See, friends, God has always had a heart for the poor. God has always had a heart for the outcast. God has always had a heart for the, for the marginalized. And I think our world wants the opposite. Our world praises celebrity. It praises fame. It praises the, uh, the, the educated and the powerful. Beloved, we should care for the poor. We should care for the poor among us. We should care for the, for the, for the weak among us. I'm, I'm encouraged on how what God is doing in our church, what he's been doing in our church over the last uh, six years, is he's taking a church of, of people from different generations, people who are, who are young and people who are old, and what they're doing is doing this. By the power of the Spirit of God, he's merging the, 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 the merging our community for us to have a heart for each other. You know, as I've shared, uh, even today, several uh, members of our church are nearing death, um, and it's, it's a beautiful picture when I see uh, the people surrounding Owen, Hollis, and, and, and Louise. It's not just the people who, who've been with Owen and Louise for 30 years in church, but it's also our, our young people who've known him for a couple of years, right? But when they look at him, they, they look at him like a brother in Christ, like a father 
in Christ, like a grandfather in Christ. I think the heart of 2 Kings 4 is, is the heart of God. God cares for the poor. God cares for the widows. God cares for the oppressed. And the question for us is because we who were oppressed, we who were, were poor in spirit, we who were uh, far from God, God came near to us in Christ. The question is for us, will we come near to others? Will we live out the gospel realizing that our debts have been paid and we freely, we will freely give to others who are in need and we will freely give forgiveness to, to show the gospel of our Lord Christ to all who need it. I pray that that would be the heart of our community because, beloved, that is the heart of our God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us your heart in this passage to the heart of Elisha. God, we thank you so much uh, for that question, what shall I do? I pray for our congregation, Lord, that we would be a people that says, what shall we do? But God, we only can do that knowing full well that our debt has been paid. You overwhelmingly have met our debt and you have given us your spirit so that we can live for your glory. We pray that we would do that in honor of your name. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, this next song is, is a great song. Uh, it's, it's one that we remember that our God stepped out of glory and came and lived a, a, a life uh, of of poverty for our souls. Uh, Man of sorrows, what a name. Hymn 175.